Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Louise and today I'm talking about what I wish I'd known before going no contact. So if you're familiar with my story, um, you'll know that I'm no contact with both of my toxic parents. I'm very low contact with my toxic ex and um, I'm somewhere between low contact and no contact with my toxic mother-in-law. And that's that's because my partner is kind of calling the shots, right? Like I'm not the main, I'm not the main show with the, with the mother-in-law. So, uh, this episode today is going to pull together stuff from kind of those different relationships I've had. Um, and some of the conversations I've had with survivors recently about, you know, their experiences before they went no contact through that transition and, you know, working on building their lives after they have gone no contact. So this isn't exactly a list that's like super specific to me. Um, but these are some general things that I know, like my journey would have been better if I had understood these things before I really had gone no contact. So, uh, you know, these are a couple different thoughts I had on this topic. And I think if you are in the process of going, uh, no contact, or maybe you're considering going no contact, these are things that you might really want to think about and see if maybe you could incorporate into your daily life now. Um, and if you've already gone no contact, these are likely spots, um, in your own healing journey that might need a little bit of additional attention. So, You know, I hope that you find this episode helpful and I want to go ahead and jump right into it. So the very first thing that I wish I'd known before going no contact was that my instincts are awesome. They are amazing and I really should listen to them. So when we're talking instincts here, I'm kind of talking about, you know, our gut reaction to stuff, right? This It's kind of like our intuition. These are all words that kind of point towards the same phenomenon. And that's like the stuff that our body and hearts kind of understand before our rational abilities catch on. So if you if you've spent much time with my content, you know I, I'm I'm a philosopher. I'm very reason oriented. I like to have reasons for everything. Reasons are safe for me. They make me feel better. I feel like I can understand the world more when I when it's all supported on reasons. Um, that's a challenge, right? If you are trying to understand and trust your instincts. Sometimes instincts are informed by reasons, but often we'll have a gut reaction to something or a you know kind of basic instinct about a situation, and we uh, may not yet have the reasons to support why we're having that kind of gut reaction. This has most obviously caused me problems when it comes to my toxic mother-in-law, Uh, My instincts were very much that this person is dangerous, uh, that they're not trustworthy. And I didn't have a lot of concrete evidence at the time that I had that gut reaction to her. I assumed I just had mom issues. So I was like projecting those onto her. Um, So I kind of dismissed a lot of my, my instincts, a lot of my intuition. And in the end, that caused me more problems rather than less. 
So, you know, some of the things I wish I had understood this earlier in my life. Um, I definitely would have helped me when I decided to go no contact with my mother. It would have helped me in going no contact with my father. Um, across the board, I think all survivors could benefit from learning to trust their instincts again. Now, this is a particularly difficult challenge for us survivors because a lot of the psychological manipulation tactics that toxic people use actively train us to um, distrust our instincts, right? Gaslighting is kind of designed almost to get us to doubt our instincts, right? Like we think we understand a situation. We think, you know, this is the thing that happened. Somebody gaslights us. And then we start to doubt like, oh, do I really understand like what was going on? Maybe I was super wrong. And all of that can really make us detach from our instincts. And that's, that's a really crappy thing about having lots of experiences being gaslit. It's a really natural thing. There's nothing wrong with you if you are a little bit out of touch with your instincts after navigating someone who engages in these kind of psychological manipulation tactics. Um, but it's definitely something we want to try to work through. If you have endured a time in your life with toxic people, your instincts are very trained and tuned into situations that may be dangerous for you. Your body knows and understands these things long before our rational mind can catch on. So part of our healing and part of the thing, if you are currently with toxic people, I really encourage you to do is to try to learn to heal that relationship between you and your instincts. Recognize when people are causing you to doubt your instincts, they might have their own agenda for doing that. And remember that you can always... Um, you know, you can always explore your own instincts. You might not always agree with your instinct, right? So you might have a gut reaction that like going to a party is a bad idea. You might have that and you might know in the back of your mind that like, it's just been six months since you went to a party because of the pandemic or whatever. And, you know, you're just kind of hesitant maybe about going to the party. So maybe your instinct here is just tracking the fact that this is an unfamiliar situation. Right? That's one way we can be critical of our own instinct and maybe explore what are some um, relevant situational factors that might be creating this in intuition in us. Um, but we can do that without necessarily dismissing the instinct, right? We can still honor the fact that we have this intuition that maybe going to the party isn't the right thing to do. We can make the additional decision whether we want to rely on our intuition or, or our instinct in whatever decision making we want to engage in, right? That's a secondary step. But the very first thing we got to do is, is recognize what our instinct is telling us and recognize that it is a one piece of evidence about what's going on in the situation. And it is often a good piece of evidence, okay? So the more you can start to understand your instinct as relevant, important evidence in whatever kind of decision-making you're doing, and the more you can try to honor those instincts, not necessarily let them control everything that you do, but honor them and recognize that they are part of you and that they matter, uh, the sooner your instincts are going to be able to serve you on your journey. So when you do find yourself maybe in a work environment, or let's say 
you're at an interview, right? And you're considering um, taking a job with a particular company and you get the, like your intuition tells you that there is something toxic in the environment where you are having this interview. Maybe the person you're interviewing with um, is dismissive of you in some way, but it happens very quickly. And so rationally, because you're focused on other things in that moment, rationally, you don't pick up on the fact that they did something problematic, but maybe your instinct, your intuition really heard what happened and you start to feel uncomfortable like this isn't a safe place. That, if you listen to that instinct, if you listen to that intuition, that has the potential to save you a whole bunch of problems, right? That might encourage you to say no if you get the job offer. That might encourage you to, to look for different companies maybe than that one, right? There's a lot that can go on there that can, that can help you and save you from having to suffer even more. So I wish I had understood that my instincts are good and valuable and I should trust them. If they don't control me, they should at very least be an important thing for me to consider no matter what kind of decision I'm making as a survivor. So that's the first thing I'd wish I'd known. Um, we're going to take a minute and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, I've got two more things that I wish I had known before going no contact. So the second thing that I wish I had known before going no contact was to keep a record of what's happening. Now, a lot of survivors will do stuff like journaling. I was an aggressive journaler throughout um, like my childhood, like probably since I was in, I mean, I, I have a, I have some journals from back when I was like in uh, second grade even. Um, but I really got into a regular journaling practice, um, probably around fifth grade. And it really picked up by the time I was in seventh grade. And, you know, journaling is great. Uh, very helpful. I got a lot of insights about who I am and what's important to me. I managed to process some of the things that were happening to me, courtesy of journaling. Journaling is wonderful. And I absolutely recommend it no matter where you are in your journey. However, that's not exactly what I'm talking about right now. The kind of record that I'm talking about is a little bit more like a data log. So this is kind of like one line reminders of various events that happened. So the reason I think that this is a really useful thing to do, um, especially before going no contact, is you're kind of creating a database of evidence for yourself about what actually living with this person was like. Um, one of the challenges when we're coming out of, you know, once we've gone no contact and we're kind of coming out of these spaces that were super toxic for us is uh, we have to go through this period of mourning the loss of the relationship. And in that process, what, what we might do is start to romanticize some of the good things about the relationship we had with this person. It's totally normal to do this. You know, as we get a little bit of distance with no contact, uh, we can sometimes start to doubt whether the situation was as bad as we thought it was. Um, it's a little bit easier to feel that way because it's just like not as in your face as it has been in the past. So it's really natural to be like, oh yeah, I remember 
you know, I remember we went on that road trip and everything was so great. And we'll often like reflect on those moments that were really kind of like love bombing. Um, we'll focus on that because we miss the person. We miss the things in our life that they brought, or at least we believe that we miss them. Um, and so we can get kind of carried away with just thinking about the good and losing sight of just how problematic this person being in our lives really was. So some of the ways survivors combat this sort of stuff is through like taking screenshots of conversations that they've had with the toxic person. And I'm, I'm not saying that you should never, ever take those screenshots. However, there is some risk when you are rereading the actual words of the toxic person that you might become triggered, right? If this person was abusive, most likely the screenshots you have are like evidence of them being abusive, right? When you see that, um, you, that can bring back a lot of big feelings and that might put you in a really dark mental space again, and that might not serve you so well on your journey. So overall, I tend to discourage people, um, from leaning on screenshots as a way to review evidence about what their experience was like. Um, so there are situations you need to have screenshots. If you think that the situation with a toxic person might end up in court, it's useful to have screenshots. Um, anytime there's any kind of legal stuff going on, they can be useful. But what I'd encourage you to do, get the screenshot, put it on an external hard drive or put it in the cloud, put it somewhere that you're not going to look at it all the time and just leave it alone until you absolutely need to have it. So this data log that I'm talking about is an alternative way, a way that is not so triggering to kind of have a little refresh on what it was like to live with the toxic person or to be regularly in contact with the toxic person. So this is literally, you know, you just grab a line piece of paper, you could on, um, you know, one column is like, the date and the other columns, like a one line description of the event, right? And, and you can keep this for as long as you feel you need to, um, while interacting regularly with a toxic person and just kind of build a snapshot of moments that you found problematic with a toxic person. I think that this is so helpful. And one of the reasons that it's helpful is for once we have gone no contact and we're in that romanticization phase, we can then go review this data log and we can, we can kind of get a little reality check. Right? We can kind of kick ourselves in the pants a little bit and be like, oh, wait, this is really what it was like. I remember these things were, were unpleasant and I don't really want that in my life. So I wish I had done this um, rather than just leaning on my journals, right? So I, because of, of my age and how I had toxic parents in particular, a lot of the richest evidence I have about how these folks treated me are, are written in these journals. And I love my journals. I'm so glad that I have them, but it is a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me to go and look at them now especially now that I have much more of an understanding of gaslighting and triangulation and, you know, just all the wretched stuff that toxic people do. Um, it's a, 
it's a little risky for me to go poking around those journals. I need to make sure my headspace, like I'm feeling real strong and I'm not going to get really upset about old things. Um, or if I do need to get upset that I have the time and space to do that. So I think that this data log um, is a much better alternative um, than just leaning on those journals. Although please, please keep journaling. <laughs> like, there's space for that. This is a different kind of activity. And I wish I had known that. Um, I especially wish I had known that with my toxic ex. Um, I think that I would feel much better about my relationship, not, not the relationship itself, but about what has happened um, kind of towards the end of that relationship if I had kept such a log. So the last thing that I wish I had known before going no contact that I want to share today is that things 100% can and will get better. It is always hard to be a survivor, but it does not have to be as hard as being actively abused by toxic people. Now, there were, there were definitely moments in my journey that I was very skeptical that I was going to ever have a life that was free of this kind of chaos. Um, most of the time, I kind of understood that it was chaotic. I kind of understood that it was problematic, but I didn't really understand like what I needed to do to get out of it a lot or what was even possible. And, you know, last week I shared um, more about my story with, um, especially with my toxic mother. And, you know, I was really convinced that I was always going to have to have her in my life. Um, and she made some decisions that made it easier for me to, you know, get her out of my life. Um, but, you know, I ended up in very similar place with my toxic father. And I was definitely in that place with my toxic ex. Um, I had, there were some legal things going on with my toxic ex that made the situation very complex. Um, so I definitely thought that I was just kind of locked in because I didn't know how to deal with these legal issues, basically. So there have been moments where I have felt 100% trapped, trapped. How do we say that? Trapped. <laughs> I felt trapped. And that was a really scary feeling. It led to a lot of hopelessness. It led to a lot of fear. Um, it led to a lot of anxiety and just really kind of, I was going to these very like nihilistic places um, where, you know, nihilism is, is a view in philosophy that like everything is meaningless and nothing matters. And this is a very difficult kind of philosophy. <laughs> this is a difficult approach to life. And, you know, if you've seen me on Instagram or you've, if you've listened to my podcasts, um, it is not in my nature to be dark as a person in, in that kind of way. I'm not somebody who naturally believes that things are hopeless or that things are meaningless. Um, it's just, it, that's not a natural place for me. I, I tend to be somebody who tries to see the good in really dark situations. And there were definitely times on my journey where I could not see the good. I did not believe things were going to get better. Um, I thought that it was starting to just be, you know, I was just looking at decades and decades of the same kind of abuse. And I didn't understand how I was going to get out of it or if that was even possible. So, you know, if you've ever been like that on your journey, or maybe you're feeling that way right now, I want you to know that things can and will get better. They absolutely can. You might have to do some hard work to get there. You might need to um, change your priorities. You might need to 
get yourself in a really different position than you are right now, but it is totally possible. We are never locked in to the situations we find ourselves in. Um, if you're if you're under age, right, you're no, not an adult, at some point you're going to become an adult and you're going to be able to make choices about who you allow in your life. If you're an adult right now and you're financially dependent on a toxic person, there are ways you can try to create financial independence so that they do not have that control over you. No matter what your situation is, there is a way to get out of it if that is what you want. So I wish I had understood that better before I went no contact. I wish that I had taken my very difficult circumstances and seen them as a reason to make big changes in my life rather than seeing them as um, a jail cell that I was stuck in. It turns out every single thing in my life that I thought I was stuck with, that I thought was like here for a punishment, all of it has changed pretty dramatically in the past three decades of my life. Like every single one, my mom being a part of my life, my dad being a part of my life, my financial situation, um, you know, my romantic relationship, like it, all of it has changed. So that's possible. You can have that. I didn't do anything that special. I just managed to take a lot of that negativity and transform it into action. Um, sometimes out of bitterness, sometimes out of revenge. I did it for weird reasons along the way, but I did it. And now I can understand that I was just climbing out of that pit of darkness. Um, and I did it, you know, kicking and screaming at times. And it, it wasn't easy, but it's possible. You can do it. Um, and, you know, if, if you're really worried that you might not be able to do it, or you're really just like not sure how to do it right now on your journey, I'd really encourage you um, to reach out to me. You know, I do complimentary sessions with survivors. They are totally obligation free, right? So I, I will meet with people who come to me and tell me I can't pay to work with you. I just really need some help right now. Every single survivor that I think I can help, I will do a complimentary session for you. It's important to me that that's part of what we do here at Empowerment Through Thought. Um, and it's important to me that no survivor feels as hopeless as I felt on my own journey. So if that's something that you feel interested in, I'd really encourage you. You can shoot me an email. It's just drlouise at empowermentthroughthought.com. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram. It's at empowermentthroughthought over there. Um, I have an email list. I don't know if you know that, but I actually email people very regularly and I share little parts of my own story and I try to give a little bit of tips and tricks that are exclusive to that email list. Um, so, you know, if you're just looking for a little bit of encouragement along the way, that's a really good option. You can hit me up on any of those platforms. Let me know that you might be interested in that. And, you know, I'd be more than happy to try to serve you on your journey. So thanks so much for listening today. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.